If you guys haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you're in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and uh, Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balm, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products, as well as Quanta, Muscle Rehab, Rehab X, and many more. Or check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door. The inside of this smoker boutique is something you have to see for yourself. It was designed to inspire, motivate, enlighten people, and it does just that. We're talking huge murals of Nelson Mandela, Oprah, Martin Luther King Jr., and so many more with quotes and inspirational sayings across the walls. It's truly a one-of-a-kind place, and you got to check it out for yourself. If you can make it out, out of their shop, remember to browse their products online, goldboys303.com. That's goldboys303.com, and if you're buying in bulk, call for your discount at 720-372-9843, and they'll take care of you. Gold Boys, where everything is gold. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Adam Matez from DNVR, where you can subscribe for just $5 a month and get access to all of our premium content up there, including our top of the tens, the 50 most influential people uh, of the decade in Denver sports. What a fun look back. I just wrote today, if you didn't check it out and you are a member, you are a subscriber, uh, I wrote a big piece on Nikola Jokic kind of sharing the origin story that I don't think everybody knows about you know there's some stories about Jokic you hear over and over and over again sort of how he was plucked from obscurity by Misko Raznatovic is kind of an interesting story I wrote about that but I usually used I used that to write about I it's interesting I think you can parallel Jokic's rise in Serbia and Europe as a European basketball player and his rise in the NBA they both kind of it's almost like he repeated the exact same process um, at the NBA level Maybe that means he'll win an MVP very soon. <laughs> probably not this year, but uh, but probably um, but maybe pretty soon. So check that out. You'll want to check it out. And then honestly, like I've since joining DNVR, I've gotten a lot more into you know just the other teams, the Abs and Rocky. Always been a Broncos fan. Those ones come easy, even though I'm like really annoyed with the like most popular Broncos voices. <laughs> um, but I think the guys at DNVR, a- Andrew Mason, probably the best writer over at DNVR, and it just. Every day he writes something new, and I just love reading him. He's got a great delivery, really interesting perspective. And then he reminds me of Jeff Morton and just his, like, encyclopedia uh, brain where he kind of seems to know everything about Broncos history, NFL history. Really, really cool. But you can go through. If you um, are looking to jump into some of the other teams, Rockies, Avs, whatever, um, this is a or just wanting to catch up on what happened in the decade with the Nuggets, that list, the top 50 list is such a digestible bite size. The numbers 11 through 50 on the list are all just one paragraph. It's like a graphic and one paragraph. So it's really, really easy to be like, oh, OK, this is what that person did. You know, Matt Duchesne, what's his story? Um, you know, what what happened to him in the uh, 2010s? Why is he an important figure? You get a little bite-sized a uh, little bit. And then the top 10, a little bit more in-depth, you know, basically like a 800-word articles for each of them. Really, really cool. Um, so check that out. And then obviously the podcast, if you enjoy this podcast, you're probably going to enjoy the DNVR, uh, the Denver Sports Podcast. Last week and this week, I think I did three, maybe, no, four yeah, I think four different podcasts on the Denver Sports Podcast that if you like this show, I promise you will like those ones. The one today is on Jokic, Arenado, and McKinnon. 
the three kings of the Rockies, Avs, and, and um, Nuggets, and just really cool discussion. It's a neat way. It's always fun when you get to talk Nuggets basketball with maybe somebody that doesn't live and die Nuggets basketball the way we do and the way you do because you get new perspectives on it. Sometimes being so far removed from it allows for some new perspectives. So I thought that conversation was really, really cool. You want to check it out. Today's episode of the show, going to start out with some news and notes. Um, going to, in segment two, going to look forward to the schedule. The next 10 games, there's 11 games left in 2019. I have some predictions for the next 10. I'm kind of optimistic. Um, it's weird. I think the Nuggets can crash and burn. There's some weird, you know, sort of tension around the team, I think, right now. But if you just look at the 10 games coming up on the schedule, they're all winnable. And um, the, I think there's a great chance Denver goes 8-2, and 7-3, and 9-1. and one. Um, Don't think they'll go 10-0. and 0, But there's a great chance here for Denver to really, really kind of get going. So I'm going to talk about that in segment two. And then in the end, I'm going to make even be even more bold and make some predictions about this next 10 games, what things will happen, not just wins or losses, but some of the trends I think we're going to see. But to start off with some news and notes, uh, and I should mention today's episode of the show is brought to you by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Really, really good partner. If you're down in South Denver, check them out. First news and note, the RPM came out. Real plus minus, the uh, ESPN advanced stat that is my personal favorite catch-all metric. I think catch-all metrics are never the be-all, end-all. Um, but I do think that they there's certain ones that really capture something about what's going on in basketball. That that what, The way I should put it is that I think box plus minus and, re, and RPM, real plus minus, and also PIPM, um, which I believe Jacob Goldstein put together, they're all three, box plus minus, real plus minus, PIPM. They all work similarly with just different weights on different things. But I think those three probably do the best that I've seen in the public sphere of capturing what what's value and when i say that is not necessarily the like the numbers that go into them what i mean is that when i look at the list they match up with what i when my my own personal eye test the most so the players that consistently come up at the top of rpm are players that i consistently think are are very very good will barton the number one player in defensive rpm now this is obviously funny you know def- i think Offensive RPM is easier to qual- uh, quantify than de- than defensive RPM, so I wouldn't put too much stock. I don't think Will Barton is the single best defender in all of the NBA, but it is interesting that he's popped up so high on the list, as has Paul Millsap. Now, I think there's one thing that's really, really um, that weighs these numbers quite a bit. Both Millsap and Will Barton missed the New Orleans Pelicans game. And Denver got blown out of the water and gave up a, a ton of points in that game. De- the defense was just terrible. So when when it looks at a plus-minus, when plus-minus stats sort of look at the data, they see, oh, when these guys weren't there, the team got blown out. Now, did Denver get blown out because they didn't have Millsap and Barton? Or were they just due for that because they were in such a slog? I think the latter. Um, so, you know, again, these numbers take them all with a grain of salt. But the fact that Will Barton shows up so high on RPM this year. In fact, number five overall, who is he above? Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, uh, Luka Doncic. That's pretty wild, and I would say probably not accurate, but the fact that he's up that high tells you that Will Barton has been really good this year for the Denver Nuggets and a really important contributor. Number nine is Paul Millsap. This isn't number nine on the team. This is number nine overall. Um, 
Paul Millsap, again, just having an incredible year. Both of those guys have been efficient um, this season, especially from the three-point line, and I think that has a lot to do. And then, of course, defensively, Denver being the number one defense and their worst game of the year coming when they were not in the lineup, that really helps. Nikola Jokic, 29th. This is interesting. So Jokic, one way to put it is, we all know Jokic has really struggled. The fact that he still comes in 29th, still, quote-unquote, still comes in 29th, you know, that that shows you that his floor is really, really high. But at the same time, RPM is a stat that has always sort of overrated Jokic, or I should just say highly, highly rated him. Last year, he was fifth uh, in RPM behind Paul George, James Harden, Steph Curry, and Giannis. So ahead of some really, really big time names. Two years ago, he was also fifth. Three years ago, he was sixth. So he's basically been in that top six uh, since he entered the league. I can't remember what he was his rookie season. Is he on here? Oh, yeah, he was ninth. So he's been in the top ten every single year, which is just wild, kind of hilarious. This the first year he has not been in there. And I think the number one thing weighing him down, not necessarily the low point totals, it's the efficiency, his three-point shot being so bad, um, the lower assist totals. Those things, I think, weighing him down. But it'll be interesting to kind of track that over time and kind of see who rises and who falls. Uh, and who falls. Jamal Murray was 14th among point guards, which is really interesting to me. You know, we've talked about, I believe on this show, Harrison Wind has, has even put it out on Twitter that Jamal Murray's stats last year and this year are almost identical. A few more steals, which I think, you know, we're talk- basically talking like 12 more steals through 21 games than last year. I would call that probably mostly noise. Maybe I think he's definitely been a better defender, but I don't know that the steal number should be a thing that's like, oh, look, he's a better, he's better at getting steals just yet. Maybe by the end of the year, um, but right now, not willing to say that. Fourteenth among point guards, Will Barton first among shooting guards, which is interesting. Again, I think that has him a little inflated, but it just shows you how good he has been. Gary Harrison in ESPN, by the way, classifies him as a shooting guard, which I think is right. He plays Denver basically basically plays three shooting guards, like one slightly more of a point guard than the rest in Jamal Murray, but um, none of them really true small forwards. Gary Harris, 46th among shooting guards. Um, Obviously, the efficiency, especially at the rim, I think really affecting him and weighing him down. Paul Millsap, fourth among small forwards. So it's funny, he's ninth, but he's fourth among power forwards. Sorry, not small forwards. A lot of good power forwards in the league. And then Jokic, first among centers, uh, the last noteworthy one. Uh, Jeremy Grant, 405th. RPM, I think, matching the eye test on this one, that he has just really struggled. And I wouldn't even say Jeremy Grant has struggled. The Nuggets have struggled to figure Jeremy Grant out. That's that's the better way I would put it. Um, At least that's my perspective on that situation. Some more news, P.J. Dozier and Jared Vanderbilt back with the team. We've seen Chanchar come back. We've seen Bol Bol come back. I don't think that these call-ups are necessarily a sign that the Nuggets are going to use these guys. Now, P.J. Dozier is an interesting one because he's a point guard. Jamal Murray got hurt in that last game, kind of a hip check from Ben Simmons. It looks kind of bad. I mean, it, the, the hit itself I didn't think looked bad, but Jamal Murray going down and in, in clear pain, and he's – He's a tough guy. Uh, you know, there might be something there. On Instagram, Jamal Murray hinted or indicated, I guess not even hinted, he indicated that he would be back for this game, but it is worth noting that he is listed as questionable. So I wouldn't be surprised if, A, the Nuggets just held him out of Thursday night's game. 
Um, or if they don't hold him, hold him out, I wouldn't be surprised if his minutes were down somewhere around 20 and they just kind of monitored him, made sure his back didn't tense up or anything like that or risk a further injury. Um, so, and if they did hold him out, then I wouldn't be surprised if P.J. Dozier got some run. You know, he's looked very good in the G League. I know that Malone lo- really likes his style of play. Um, he might be a guy that's just in line to play the backup point guard minutes for a game or two. But I think the real reason that those guys get brought up, the same reason that Chanchar has been brought up in Bull Bowl, is that the Nuggets really want to, and I think wisely so, really want to make all of the G League guys feel like they're a part of the team. Not like they're being, you know, relegated to um, Sioux Falls or, or, you know, on the road in these bus rides, staying in the Howard Johnson. You know, that sucks. That really sucks. That's a tough life. And I know those guys are in the grind and they're just trying to make it, but just getting a little break from all of that um, for the two-way guys, Bull Bull and Dozier, getting to make NBA dollars, the way it works on a two-way contract is when you're in the G League, you make G League money. When you're with your NBA team, when they call you up, you make NBA team money. So just a chance to be around the guys, be around the coaching staff, maybe for the coaching staff to evaluate them, just how's their bodies looking, how are their heads, you know, are their heads right? Um, maybe work on some skill development stuff as a team, and then just be around the guys. I think it's as much of this sort of nurturing the soul of these guys as anything and making sure they realize that they're uh, an important part of the team. So those two guys are back, and um, I, wouldn't be, I would be surprised if we saw them get any minutes uh, over the next couple games. Bull Bull down in the G League today, 16 minutes. He had eight points, four rebounds, one block. Probably his least impressive game statistically uh, since being down there. It is worth noting he had three offensive rebounds. But again, just 16 minutes, eight points, four rebounds. That's not bad. Um, that That's something. So those are the news and notes. Going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side, I want to tell you about predictions for the next 10 games coming up. This is, I wouldn't want to call it a do or die stretch for the Nuggets, but this is a big stretch and a great opportunity for them to get feeling good about themselves. First off, I got to remind you, Breckenridge Brewery is Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits Brewery of the Month, so download their app and enjoy a six-pack for only $7.99 all month long. Today's show is brought to you by the Colorado Core. One of my favorite uh, keto-friendly, low-sugar, low-carb beer that they have with a crisp uh, apple taste. Really, really delicious beer um, that you're going to want to check out. You guys don't know this because we did a competition where we were seeing who can, you know, um, bring in the most subscriptions, like an internal one. And I dominated. So I'm going to get a a year supply of Breckenridge Brewery. And I would say my breakdown of a year supply of Breck Brew. Which, by the way, this is the awesomest gift. Breckenridge Brewery is so dope. They're just such a good, like a great partner. But my breakdown will probably be 60% Colorado Coors. 60%. Uh, I think I'll probably have maybe another 15, 20% Strawberry Sky. I'll have some Vanilla Porter Jr.'s Avalanche Ale. Avalanche Ale is my favorite. It's just a heavier beer. But Colorado Coors will make up at least half. Uh, of them because it's it's just so so refreshing so easy to drink it's like an everyday beer um so check it out and if you do have it let me know let send me your favorite beers the the color uh the christmas ale is really really good as well and just a little teaser they might have a cool little nuggets themed beer coming up before too long we believe piper is the best because of their professionalism because of their capability because of their integrity and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers piper electric has been a part of the denver community for over 35 years 
Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, let's take a look at the next 10 games. So there's 11 left in 2019. They end on New Year's Eve at Houston. I think that's a tough game, probably a loss, but let's throw that out. Let's just keep this at 10 games for now. Coming up, obviously, Portland. Portland game uh, on TNT. They've been on national television twice in the last week. Hasn't gone great. Um, This is a chance to get a win and, and maybe regain a little bit of of momentum and also just flip the conversation a little bit. I mean, national media has been pretty down on the Denver Nuggets. Um, I don't know that the Nuggets necessarily care about that, but it is an opportunity to kind of be like, oh yeah, they can also play well in their home court and they they do look good at times or, you know, Portland, a team that potential playoff team, you beat them and and especially if you play well, um, you can kind of change the conversation a little bit. But they got Portland. Then they get Oklahoma City coming to town. So Denver has a five-game homestand here. Um, Portland, Oklahoma City, who, uh, you know, decent team, winnable game for sure. Um, We'll have Danilo Gallinari in in town, which is always an interesting one. Um, They have won three of the last four. They just lost to Sacramento tonight uh, by one point, a really, really close game. But they've got wins at Utah. So Oklahoma City at Utah, at Portland, and then against Minnesota. So um, by no means an easy game, but one that Denver should be favored in. Then they've got the Knicks on the second night of a back-to-back. The Knicks, who they just beat by 50 points or 40 points, the Knicks continue to lose. That one, even though it's a back-to-back, Denver should be heavily favored in that one. Orlando comes into town. Denver should be favored in that one. And then Minnesota comes into town. All of those, besides the Knicks game, are on one night rest. So Denver, an opportunity not just to play some teams that they will be favored against, but also to get a little bit of a rhythm. You know, one game on, one game off, one game on, one game off. I think sometimes in the sk- when the schedule breaks that way and there's not these long, prolonged periods off, I think it allows for a team to really establish a rhythm. And with those five games... I I just think they're so important for Denver. We're going to come back to them in a second. At the Lakers, obviously as tough of a game as you're going to get. Um, The Lakers, number one right now, they're steamrolling everybody. They only won by nine points today. And it was almost a shot because they've been winning by double digits so so consistently. But you go to Los Angeles, that'll be obviously a very, very tough game. And then the very next night uh, at Phoenix. So second night of a back-to-back, you go at Phoenix. Curious to see if Denver rests, how they approach the Laker game, how they approach the Phoenix one. Um, But I think both of those games are probably the two toughest on the schedule. 
Then you come home and you've got three more home games. So those are only two road games over the next 10. You come back home and you've got New Orleans, who's terrible right now. That's on Christmas Day. You would on national television. You'd hope Denver would get up for that. They haven't had a Christmas Day game for quite a while. So you'd hope that's one where the team kind of shows out. New Orleans, by the way, just 10-game losing streak. Absolutely miserable right now. Memphis, who is a scrappy, I would say a scrappy, tough underdog. But an underdog nonetheless, and Denver will be rested in that game. So, again, they should be favored, but they have won two in a row against Phoenix tonight, against Golden State before that. They did lose to Utah, Indiana, Chicago um, prior to that. But um, scrappy team. And then lastly, on the second night of a back-to-back, they host Sacramento. The nice thing about the Sacramento game, it is the second night of a back-to-back, but Denver blew a game against Sacramento I always think there's a little extra something on it when, um, you know, you, it's a revenge opportunity and, oh, yeah, we blew this one. We shouldn't have. Um, let's, let's try to get it back. So that one will be interesting. So you look at that. If we just go through them, Portland is going to be – if you go in order of hardest to easiest, the Laker game is probably a loss. At Los Angeles, the Lakers are just better than the Nuggets right now. That's probably a loss. Second night of a back-to-back at Phoenix, that one's probably a loss probably the second hardest game. I think Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back is probably the third hardest game. And then Portland on Thursday is probably the fourth hardest game. Then Oklahoma City. But, you know, Denver, if they continue to slide, certainly could lose any of these games. But if I were to predict, if I were making projections, I would say that the team either goes 8-2 and two and 7-3 and three, uh, over this 10-game stretch. That's certainly, I think if like Vegas set odds, that's what they would set the odds at. The Denver would go 7-3 and three over this next stretch. Now first, let's just talk about something here. The, everybody is down on the Nuggets right now at 14-8, and eight, and rightfully so. They haven't played well. They've lost 5 of 6. But let's just say they win 7 of the next 10. They go to 21-11, and 11, 10 games above 500, heading in basically to the calendar change. I think you regain momentum at that point. If you go 7-3, seven and, seven and three, which again, they will be projected to go 7-3. and three. So Denver, a great opportunity here to regain some momentum, recapture the narrative a little bit, and, and just, I think, start feeling good about themselves. This is an opportunity to steady the ship and, uh, and start producing some wins. But if you look at it, Portland... You know, I, I, I'm going to call that one. I, I predict that they will win that one. Oklahoma City, I predict they'll win. New York, I predict they'll win. Orlando and Minnesota, that's five games in a row. You get that going. You have, you, you're starting to feel good about yourself. You can also hopefully use some of these games, the Knicks, Orlando, you know, maybe even Minnesota who came out of the gates really hot but hasn't been so hot lately. Maybe you'll use some of those games to get a little bit more of a rhythm, figure out your rotation a little bit better, and just get back to playing the style of basketball you're used to. To me, this is by far the best stretch left on the schedule, and I'm talking all the way through April. This is by far the best 10-game stretch for Denver to do that. So in some ways, it's like a no pressure. Here you go. You've got some easy ones. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you've got to take advantage of this moment because it's the only one this season that you've got. So take a deep sigh, a deep breath, Denver. I think, um, you know, it's been an ugly couple stretch, uh, stretch of games, but Lakers, Boston, Philadelphia, those are all tough ones. Brooklyn always plays Denver tough. I think that Sacramento loss of all the ones they've lost, you know, of the five they've lost, that Sacramento one is the only one I look at and go, it's a little bit ugly, but it's on the road and, and they blew it down the stretch. 
Um, but this is an excellent opportunity to kind of recapture that narrative. The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower, concentrate, edibles, topicals online and head, head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. You can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That makes it 20% off makes a big deal. Um, DNVR20, that's your promo code at the Green Solution. So we talked about going seven and three, maybe even eight and two. Getting to 22 and 10 would be, you know, that'd be really wild. Um, how do they do that? Well, here's a couple things that I actually these are bold predictions. Do I think they are guaranteed to happen by no means? But gun to my head, I would, I would take that these do happen, meaning that I feel there's better than a 50% chance that the following things actually take place over this next 10-game streak. Number one, I think Jokic returns to form. I know a lot of people are down on him right now. I'm buying all Nikola Jokic stock. I know that's a shocker to people that have listened to me over the last five years. I know that's a shocker, but I'm buying the stock. I saw some people on, on you know, online today saying, what if Jokic has peaked and last year was actually his best year and, you know, he'll, he'll never reach that level again? Well, tell me, give me how many examples do we have of players that reach their peak that early? Derek Rose. I mean, who else has like reached their peak? And that was athleticism, right? He had two knee surgeries and, and that's why that's largely why he's fallen off. What player without a major injury peaks at age 23? And then by 24, it's like, oh no, they're not any good anymore. To me, that's crazy. And what's even more crazy, we saw Jokic two years ago when they needed to win every game down the stretch, take over and have some of his best basketball culminating with that overtime game against Minnesota where he had 35 or 37 points and was just so clutch. Then last year, you get into the playoffs. He plays some of his best basketball and puts up 25 points, 13 rebounds, eight and a half assists. And that just happened. You weigh that and you say, okay, this guy's capable of that level play. When a team is scouting him every single night, when a team's game plan is to stop him first, he's number one, two, and three on the scouting report. And he still puts up those kind of numbers and comes up big in big moments and in big games. I mean, how many times did Denver face a must-win game? Game two against San Antonio. Game four against San Antonio. Game five against San Antonio. Game seven against San Antonio. Game four against Portland, right? Uh, games uh, five and six and seven in which he played well in all of those. Uh, so he was in some big games and he performed. So what's interesting to me is that there's smart people, prominent people out there um, in the Denver media who will write or even say things like, what if he peaked and this new version that we're seeing in November and the early part of December, although I'm going to talk about his numbers here in a second, what if that's the real Jokic? To me, it's crazy. I mean, think about if it was reversed and in the playoffs he played like he did in November and right now he was putting up big numbers. Would people be saying like, oh, maybe this is the real Nikola? He's No, of course not. The playoff sample size is more important. The four years previous are more important. Um, so was he in a slump in November? Yes. Was it clear he was unmotivated and as Chuck, as Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal said, doesn't look like they want, like he wants it at times? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think that that is a sign that, oh, he can no longer be the player that he was last year. To me, that's just absolute insanity. But let's look and see if this trend's already happening. The last three games, 
Jokic is averaging 23 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. So his points are up majorly. He's taking 18 field goals a game over that stretch um, and uh, putting up pretty good efficiency. He's only 4 of 15 from the three-point line. I think one of the things that there's two parts of his game that I think still haven't quite come back. His three-point shot and his post-scoring, just his post-dominance. He's been down there a little bit more. Um, but he hasn't quite been as effective as I think you will see, uh, as we'll see over this next 10 game stretch, but putting up 23, nine and seven. So my prediction over this next 10 games is that Jokic puts up some pretty gaudy numbers. Um, he has, you know, maybe a 30 point game in him. He has multiple double digit assist games in him, maybe a triple double or two mixed in there. I, I think Jokic has turned a corner. And while he hasn't fully looked like he did in the playoffs of last year, I think he's getting closer and closer. And I think even his confidence is getting a little bit more. You know, in that Philadelphia game, there were moments where Embiid went at him and you could see it frustrated him. And so Jokic went right back at Embiid. And that that's confidence, right? That's confidence returning of, oh man, I'm not going to let this guy drain a jumper in my face. I'm going to come down and, and, and get, get him back for it. So I think Jokic is returning to the old old form, and I think over this next 10 games we're going to see it. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is I think he needs to work on having quicker moves, being a little bit more decisive. One of his tendencies really over his whole five-year career is that he tends to hold the ball in the post and survey the court um, more often than he should. Sometimes that's what you have to do. He's very patient. I mean, at the flip side of this is there's times he backs a guy down on the post and perfectly sort of draws out the double team before hitting the guy. That's an important part of his game, but there's other parts where he needs to catch it and go and put the defense on his heels, and he just hasn't uh, always been consistent with that. My next prediction, I think Jokic ball is going to return. I don't know that it's going to be like 2017. I don't know if we're ever going to see it like that again. But I do think that we're going to see the ball get popping over these next 10 games. Not 100% consistently, but I think it's going to look a lot more like the offense that we're accustomed to. And a lot of that has to do with quite my first prediction. I'm predicting Jokic to be back. And if you have to start guarding him at the three-point line, if you have to start sending the double in the post, and if he's putting points on the board early and often, you change your defensive scheme, and I think that opens things up. And then on top of that, you know, Will Barton wants to play Jokic ball. Gary Harris wants to play. I think all these guys want to play um, that style. And, you know, I think there's a sort of a collective um, agreement, maybe not on how to do it, but they all want it. And I've, I'm just a big believer that when everybody wants the same thing, eventually you find a way to get it done. And uh, I think that's going to happen with this Nuggets offense. It might come at the sacrifice of the defense. I don't think the defense is going to fall off. If you remember last year in December, they went from like top five to bottom five. I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they played at like the 10th best defense over the next, over this 10 game stretch while their offense skyrocketed to also being a top 10 offense. I think that would number one, be a healthy trade-off, but number two, I just wonder sometimes if you can be a great defense and a great offense at time. And then lastly, all these things are sort of connected I wouldn't be surprised if the starting rotation wasn't uh, – if Malone mixed up the rotation so that the starters weren't playing so much. This has been a long time coming. This has been um, – you know, Malone has talked about this issue. 
And I, I wonder if with the Jamal Murray injury, uh, if especially early on, you're, you're reducing Murray's minutes from like 33 down to 20 and then maybe 25 after that, then maybe 28 after that. And just by virtue of that, you already start to blend some of your second unit lineups. I would be very intrigued if uh, Monte Morris and Michael Porter Jr., maybe even Jeremy Grant, checked in early in a game. If Jamal Murray starts tomorrow, if maybe he only gets about five minutes before Monte Morris comes in along with Jeremy Grant to replace, so you send Murray and Paul Millsap to the bench, I think that would be smart. I wouldn't be surprised if you tried to hunt for some opportunities to play Michael Porter Jr. alongside Nikola Jokic, especially in games you feel somewhat confident in. So more blended lineups. I think Denver desperately needs it. And I think one of the things that happens in a losing streak is all options become on the table. And Denver right now, I think that's one option that that they certainly will be discussing as a coaching staff. Um, I think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to play. Uh, Malone seems interested in this. Uh, He certainly doesn't like the criticisms. There was... um, you know, I, Brendan Vote was in the locker room for the game, and he shared a quote on Twitter that I, I think got some legs that that everybody I think feels was, including Brendan, maybe be mis, misinterpreted a little bit. He wrote a great story where I think he detailed a lot of what happened or, or a lot of what was implied in MPJ's comments. MPJ was not calling out Michael Malone. In fact, it was very clear from the quote that he was not calling out Michael Malone, that he was not saying, oh, yeah. Malone needs to communicate more with me. Um, that last game, Michael Porter Jr. played as many minutes as he has all season other than the New Orleans game, and that was only because of a blowout. Michael Porter Jr. was in the rotation, and he wasn't very good. He was missing some layups. His hands, I think it, it's worth talking about that could be a real weakness in his game is that he just doesn't seem to catch the ball very well. Um for, for a guy that's as fluid and as talented as he is, catching passes is going to be an important part of his game, and he just uh, kind of fumbles a disproportionate amount. So maybe that's rust, maybe that's adjusting to NBA speed, um, or maybe it's just the fact that he kind of has small hands and, and maybe he's, it's just a weakness that was overlooked uh, at the high school level. Either way, um, you know he's been a little bit up and down, and I predict he's going to play but be extremely inconsistent. I hope a lot of his minutes come with Jokic because I just think those are going to be f- like five times as valuable as the minutes with the bench unit. Playing with Jokic, his skill set, What part of what really excites me about him is I think his skill set lends itself to Jokic ball. And, and so I think the coaching staff would do well to try to find minutes uh, alongside Jokic and maybe even alongside both Jokic and Murray. You know, give that one way to really get the ball popping is to have that great pick and roll threat. And then you have the secondary actions on the backside that would include him. So um, I, I would really like to see that. And I, I kind of think it's going to be coming. It's been trending in that, uh, that direction. Um, I think Gary Harris will discover his shot. I know this one This one maybe is, is going more on a leap of faith, but it, just guess right now what Gary Harris is shooting from the three-point line. You would probably guess really, really poorly, but he's actually 36%, which isn't bad. 36% is pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good. And I, I just... If Denver gets back to playing that more where the ball is popping, that, that style of basketball, that brand of basketball, then I think... Um, you know, I think... 
I, I just think that he's going to get more opportunities to get the types of shots that he wants, um, and this all sort of plays off of each other. Of course, when, against the Knicks, when Denver shot the ball really, really well, it became contagious, and I think Gary Harris is one of those guys that, you know, if the, if Jokic starts knocking down his shots and Murray and, and the offense gets rolling, I just think Gary Harris um, will catch that wave and start knocking him down as well. So um, I could see that happening. And then you look at players like Malik Beasley, I want Wancho and Gomez. I would not be surprised if Wancho was out of the rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if Beasley was out. And if you're going to play Michael Porter Jr., and if he becomes a consistent fixture in the lineup, I wonder if Torrey Craig makes a return to the lineup. You know, Denver, I think, really missed him. Um, you know, uh, on some of these games in the road trip, certainly against Brooklyn, I think he would have been a great matchup for Spencer Dinwiddie. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver looks at it and says Malik Beasley's probably on the trade block. Juancho Hernan Gomez has not been productive. Maybe Torrey Craig gets some of those backup shooting guard minutes and, and becomes a, a piece of the rotation, especially if Jamal Murray can't go or can't play his regular minutes. So those are my predictions. If Denver struggles over this next five games, I think there's reason to be really concerned and alarmed about where the Denver Nuggets are. I think they know that as well. I don't know... You know, Denver didn't has not to this point taken the leap that many people thought, and I think it's fair to say that they do not appear to be contenders. But this idea about analyzing the legacies of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, the Denver, like all of that I think is really foolish. I see a lot of people saying, this team will never win a championship. It's very clear. Or even, I, I first of all, I think that's a hot take to say something like that after, um, you know, 21 games into a season, especially 21 games in which your team is 14 and eight and has like the sixth best record in the league. I think that's a little hot takey that anybody that's watched basketball for any, any period of time knows that teams go through lulls. They, um, you know, they play well, they play poorly, they go, they're up and down. And would I predict Denver wins a championship? No, no way. And, and are my lower on the Nuggets now than I was before the season started? Yeah, I would say I am. I think they, they clearly look like a team that is going through some growing pains. But would I say definitively that this team just will never reach a higher level than what they're at right now and, oh, things have gotten stale? Absolutely not. That's certainly a possibility and a bigger possibility than it was a few weeks ago. But it's by no means a certainty, and I think the people that say that are the people that don't have anything interesting to say about this team. You know, coverage in sports, I talked about this with with Eric Weedham a couple days ago on the Locked on Nuggets podcast, but, you know, coverage in sports is so much about building a championship. That's the backdrop of everything. But it's not the only aspect of it. The Nuggets are in a moment right now that I really, really think is an interesting one. Jokic is learning a lesson. I I really believe this, that Jokic is learning a lesson I wish he would have learned two, three years ago. And that is that those passive-aggressive fits, those emotional slumps, they're, they're not as controllable as maybe he thinks. I think with Jokic sometimes he gets in these ruts and he thinks to himself, well, I'm going to make a statement, but then when I'm done, I'll just snap out of it. And I think this year it's been a little bit harder for him to snap out of it. The energy that he's sort of brought to the team early on in this year, you know, it's been hard to sort of make up for that. And I think it's a lesson that he sincerely has learned um, through this process. We'll find out. But that's 
you know, these are the types of things that are interesting to watch. If he comes out against Portland and really sets the tone, um, uh, yeah, I think that would be a really encouraging thing that he takes ownership on the fact that the Nuggets have lost five of the last six and personally says, I'm not going to allow us to win. That's something interesting to look forward to. So reducing it all to what this means for Denver's um, title chances either this year or down the line, while certainly a talking point, it's not the only one. And I'm more interested in seeing the progress Denver makes over the next 10 games. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to check out our top of the 10s, the top 50 list up on DNVR. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Gotten some great feedback. Would love to hear what you think. Check out all of the Nuggets players. We had George Carl on the list, Danilo Gallinari, Carmelo Anthony, Jamal Murray, uh, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, Masai Ujiri, Josh Kroenke. Let us know if those guys are the ones that you think have been the most important. If you were telling the story of what happened in the 2010s, would those guys be part of the story that you told? Or do you have other guys that you think would be uh, belong on the list? And then check out the podcast, the Denver Sports Podcast. This last one about Jokic, Arenado, and McKinnon. Really, really cool. It's neat that the city of Denver has those three guys. Very different, all of them. A few flaws to each of them. But really, really fascinating, and I think guys that sort of um, really define this era of Denver sports, and it's really cool. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Before you take off, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee, some of the game-changing coffee with CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. Um, it's all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. And check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code DNVR20 at checkout. That's 20% off using promo code DNVR20 at checkout. And you can even have them ship it straight to your door. Really, really great product.